I know I started it, but I'm gonna end You it. started what, Andrew? Did you start the fire? Should I stand, like, over there, or can I be... No, no, you're fine. Uh, welcome to the Waves of Cinema, I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. And tonight, oh boy, um, we have a thing, we have a thing to talk about. We have something to talk about that, uh, some of you might have seen already, and some hopefully we'll get to see. Um, but and first, we have people to talk about the thing we're going to talk about, too. That's right. Let me just lower the recording volume a little bit. As usual, with our uh, with some of our movie reviews, we have our third Wages of Cinema That's member, right. guest star, Matt. Howdy, folks. Or should I say, death star, Matt. Yes, you should. <laughs> yeah. How about we just go full out and call you Darth Matter? <laughs> No, <laughs> I I thought it was pretty clever. And Corey's here too. Yes, uh, my my wife is here just just for the introduction. Um, she's not going to stay for the whole thing. She has other Corey things to do, uh, better things with her life than this movie. But uh, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We haven't said anything. We're talking about Star Wars Rogue One, or actually, as it's called, Rogue One: A Star Wars Story. Which is the first time I think I can think of a movie tiled like that since, like... A Christmas Story? Well, no, 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 not even that. But I mean, when you have the title and it has a colon. So, we're back. A Dinosaur Story. Oh, jeez, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember that movie? Oh, I remember it. <laughs> yeah. But that's what made me think of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, when else do you get that? A blank uh, story that's type story. good. Yeah, but, um... Yeah, so I guess general impressions first up, and then we'll get into plot. Um, I want to do a quick drive-by, because I'm too lazy to do the whole Okay, plot so, what, Corey, what did you think of Rogue One, a Star Wars story? Closer. Moving closer. Um, meh, it was alright. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing glaring, well, there's nothing glaringly wrong with it, but it's kind of generic. I found the climax of the film kind of dull in some ways and i think the biggest flaw in the movie was that it did not have the correct protagonists okay. either forrest whitaker or mads mickelson should mm. have been the protagonist for this film because the film is the best actors well the film <laughs> introduces two characters with a lot of potential and they get maybe 10 minutes of screen time combined between the two of them and everyone else that's actually a major character in this movie is just pretty bland. So, like, I watched it, and I'm like, eh, this is all right. So, yeah. Okay, so that was Corey's <laughs> thoughts on this movie. Oh, would you say that you would recommend it to people? Eh, I'm kind of lukewarm on it. Mm, would you say that it's better than the prequels? Yeah, I would say it's better than the prequels, but I'm kind of lukewarm on it. This is also still a prequel. <laughs> I would actually say this is my second favorite prequel, but oh, we'll get to that very soon. It does include something I'm also pretty freaking sick of in the Star Wars universe. But is saying what a spoiler? You can come back later when we start doing spoilers. We'll tag you in. Okay. Yeah. Well, because I have a feeling you guys will want to talk about it too. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully we will. Right. I, I'm not even sure what you're saying yet, but we'll get to it. I'll leave you gentlemen to it, and when you guys say something so brilliant, I'll probably just walk over and horn in on your conversation. You'll come in like the Ewok you are, and <laughs> nub nub over to me with your little, you know, stick, and yeah, and then Aww. I'll feed you a little thing, and then you'll be like, <laughs> and then you'll save the podcast. Right. Yes, right. you will. That is the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Save it. <laughs> in ten years of marriage, yes. Save it for the bedroom, guys. All right. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I thought it was all right. I thought this was fan servicey as hell. Yeah, the fan service, fan serviceiest of Star Wars. <laughs> even films. more than Force Awakens. Yes, huh. even more blatantly fan servicey than the Force. Awakens. I would say that in specific cases, in specific moments, it was way more fan servicey. But I still think, in terms of the overall plot, Force Awakens was more of a of like a fan film. But this is also kind of a fan film. <laughs> I kind of prefer this one, actually, to The Force Awakens. And it's surprising hmm. myself, because I came in expecting to not really dig this one so much, but I think it worked as well as a film whose culmination happened in a movie 40 years ago can work. Yeah, well, it, the, that's a good way to put it, because, well, what this movie is, in case you haven't seen the trailer and 
are living under a rock and don't really know things going on. Um, this is basically, I don't know if we could call it three point episode 3.5. It doesn't really have an episode moniker with it. It's, it's basically all of the events literally like in the week before uh, episode four starts. Which, you know, for those who know A New Hope, that's the movie that opens with, you know, a rebel ship, you know, fleeing from an Imperial Star Destroyer. You know, C-3PO and R2-D2 have the plans to destroy the Death Star, and et cetera, et cetera, They et cetera, get into an escape pod that crashes on the planet of Tatooine. They're found by a Jawas who sell them to a farmer with and then his nephew the, named Luke. And then and he, he uh, goes to find Obi-Wan Kenobi, and... Etc. Etc. And then we get the John Campbell myth uh, realized. Um, but this is a different story. Joseph Campbell. Just Jim. John Campbell is not a real person. No. I'm sure, he is someplace. Ca- no, He's John- very offended. John Campbell, if you're listening to the podcast, congratulations! You just got a free shout out. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what did I do? Rogue One. Did I do Thank something? you for all your support. Um, we'll expect yeah. you to donate to us. So this is bit. Please. So this is the story of how the rebels got. The plans for the Death Star. Not really a necessary story, but why the heck not? Uh, yeah, we basically get a story that is, in some parts, Guardians of the Galaxy and maybe Dirty Dozen also came to mind. Well, um, uh, I was thinking more of like the Guns of Navarone. Hmm. This seemed a lot more like a, a Men on a Mission movie. Well, that's why I brought up Dirty Dozen, show. and that was kind of a Men on a Mission movie. Well, yeah, but I had a better Men on a Mission movie. Yeah. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, because they actually want to be on the mission. They're not like convicts. Oh, except for one. Yeah, our main character. Well, even she is kind of. uh, She she comes around pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, um, Yeah. So we basically get yeah. It is a men and women on a mission movie. Um, Yeah, on a mission movie that would be something worth seeing. Yeah. Yeah, all women too. I think for me, uh, just... The internet just exploded. (laughs) (laughs) You know it's going to happen. Hollywood, they're they're running out of ideas. Here's the point. Jin Erso is the daughter of a scientist who's making the Death Star. She gets a message from the rebels who say her father sent them a message. Can you go help us get the first message? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. There's another guy with him, with her, who is up to some shady stuff, and they gather a force of ragtag... Oh, a force. Oh, there we go. <laughs> they got this one. Go, okay, going now. All oh, right. yeah, yeah. Matt, Matt's just commenting Stop on... Stop poking the equipment, Matt. <laughs> yeah, actually. It's recording. It's, it's recording. It just it's, it just stopped for a second. It's fine. Now it's going. Yeah, this will be edited out. No, no, no. It'll be fine. All right, let um, me talk about... You know, the char- yeah, Diego Luna is the other guy who's kind of the co lead of their group uh, Cassian Andor is his name right which is not a very memorable name I, I spent half of the film not knowing what his name was <laughs> <laughs> well there are a lot of names to know here I mean it's everybody has like Star Wars names here like uh, for example Donnie Yen is in the movie he's basically the member of the group that's Zatoichi yeah that, that's you could call him Zatoichi he, but his name is Chirut Imwe do we ever even hear his name in the movie? Yeah, you, you hear Probably. It. Probably, but I, I just I called assume, him Zatoichi. I assume that somebody wrote a script in which people said <laughs> each other's names. It's just... Uh, it's, the thing is, aside from Jin Orso, uh, which is her... Yeah, that's her name. Yeah. Uh, and maybe the robot, too, voiced by Alan Tudyk. Right. We should point that out. Who he, apparently Alan, has a job voicing something in everything. Well, <laughs> what, what, what was cool about that, just as a side note, we get to... I got to see the return of Alan Tudyk piloting a spaceship and Yay. making quippy comments. He is a leaf uh, on the wind, after all. Yes, yeah, so, you know, for fans of Firefly, you get kind of a return of... Uh, Alan, Alan Tudyk. Tudyk plays the robot. Yeah, his name is K2SO. Right. And he is basically the comic relief. Well, uh, yeah, he and is, he does... but he doesn't really have that... He has some moments to be funny, but this is a pretty dark movie dark not just like do you mean the way it looks well the way it looks (laughs) it's also kind of one of my problems with the movie and i know again this is the story that we're dealt with you know you can't maybe you can't change that but in in large part it kind of felt joyless 
I kind of actually appreciate that about the movie. I, I have a problem with the Star Wars films in that most of them don't seem to have much weight to them because they're very fairy tale like where like 90% of the heroes make it through and it's sort of an upbeat feeling. Whereas this has stakes and consequences and deaths that stick. So I thought that was refreshing, at least as a palate cleanser. Like you have the depressing thing and then where it's darkest before the dawn and then you get to a new hope and things start maybe going well for the franchise and picking up in a way but the thing is is that i don't think that if you're talking about the situation where it's darkest before the dawn there's not much going on in here that seems very dark i maybe two things happen where it's like we're fighting the empire. The empire is bad. Here are two really bad things that they did. Well, I mean, and, but you don't see a lot of that going on around the periphery of the film. I mean, like just in terms of like how things go for the cast. I'm saying it's gotten consequences to how things go for the main cast and other Star Wars films. Where it's kind of like set to easy mode. Well, well I I can get that for sure, and I I appreciate that it decided to take this tone. I mean, Grant again, it's still as you said, darkest before the dawn sort of thing. But I still felt like you could have injected a little bit more humor. Like there were little moments with K2SO where I was like, oh, that was kind of funny. But then there are long stretches where he's just, okay, I'm in the plot now. We're just kind of going this along. And there's also this one middle chunk, which I don't think this is a spoiler exactly. This is just part of the story where they go to this one planet where it is very dark. It's rainy. And it's not it's not like the things are necessarily hard to see, but it just has like this really gloomy atmosphere that felt a little obvious to me. And it also felt like something that I've seen in just other movies a little too much. Like I've seen that type of thing in Pacific Rim. I've seen that in Batman v Superman. Uh I'm sure I've seen it in other movies where Dark location with heavy rain. Yeah, so that you know this is dark. Yeah. You know, you didn't have to do that. Like, that was just a moment that just like, oh, all right, well, this is typical. Again, I'm not saying that the tone was that off. It just didn't engage me as much because I knew that these characters, for all the weight of their mission, they... I'm, I'm just not given enough to invest in a lot of them. With the exception of, like, their kind of surface level things that are kind of cool there yeah there is not a lot of depth to these characters yeah like i didn't even know what much like so you have zatuichi guy right and he's cool because and he was kind of interesting just in the way that he keeps on repeating himself uh i'm one with the force the force is with me almost like as a religious prayer which is kind of an interesting concept but they don't do too much with it aside from okay well that's his thing and then you have, like, this other guy who joins up in their team who, like, all I know is he has a red backpack or something, and he shoots people. Right. I don't even remember his name now. I don't remember it either. Yeah. See, it's like... But he had, like, a super machine gun, so that was his character. Yeah. But going back to what Corey... It's, it's not a good sign when your character is defined by the weapon he carries. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm not totally disagreeing with you, Matt. It's just that I think that... It just didn't engage me as much as I was kind of hoping for, as far as, like, the best that Star Wars movies can do. And, like, something like Empire Strikes Back got dark, but it also found a way to balance moments of kind of lightness with those darkness things. Hmm. Um, let's talk about, though, because, again, when Corey mentioned uh, a couple of the characters, so Mads Mikkelsen uh, playing uh, Orso's father. Uh, what's his full name? Oh, Galen Erso. Or Yes, yes. <laughs> again, it's not Galen Orse. Yeah. He, again, he's the one who um, has a very pivotal role in the story. I don't know right. if I should say just yet what that is. Um, I mean, I could, but. Well, uh, I could say something. I think Mads Mickelson was miscast. Really? How so? Because Mads Mickelson. Because he's he should be a villain all it, the time? No. He, look, he looks a lot like a villain. But that might be to his that, That's the problem. I think it's just there's something about Mads Mikkelsen where you kind of expect him to be the villain. That's one thing. But also, he doesn't seem to have 
maybe this is a writing thing, hmm. but it's this uh, this problem that we've invested a, a great deal of this story in the in this sort of relationship between Jin and her father. Yes, and we don't get. M- if there's one thing who one person who doesn't seem to exude any sort of fatherly warmth, it's Mads Mickelson. Well, he that well we don't really get that much time to see that. We see like one little flashback where she where Lynn is thinking back to herself about one moment where she saw her father talking with Ben Mendelssohn and he takes her puts her in the other room and he's just and she's just looking at him. So yeah, you're right in the sense that in terms of the writing if we had seen more of that relationship, the movie just starts right away with, you know, Mickelson Mendelssohn conflict, and Eminem. you know, movie start. <laughs> <laughs> good one, good one. Um, I'm gonna get to a, a pun that a character says there's soon no, here, and, but but getting back to character work again, it does, there's not enough in this film to really get us invested in that relationship. There are hints it play, of it. The relationship is supposed to play this pivotal role in the in the film. Now, what I was, I'm sorry. I'll let you finish your point. It's, it's mainly the reason why Jin is on this mission. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the link that gets a lot of the. It, it, it provides a lot of motivation for her. It's, you know, it gets the rebels want to use her and her relationship. And they know about her father is the one who's designing this Death Star, and now. But we don't get enough of them together, or, or uh, to really have a sense of oh, this is a relationship that's worth being sad over. Yeah. Um, well, that, that, again, that, that kind of goes back to what Corey said in her little bit at the beginning. That, like, and I thought about this too when I was driving home. Imagine a full movie just about him. Like you have this character who was the one that was really in large part responsible for helping build the Death Star. Yeah. And, you know, and then he does this one little thing that, right. uh, you know. I mean, that's a story worth telling. It could be, well, at least you could build, a, you could do something with that character that we haven't seen in a Star Wars movie before. And I know you could say that, well, we haven't seen like a man and woman on a mission movie like this in Star Wars, but we kind of have. Like, the climax of this movie I got a lot of, when talking about fan service, I got a lot of Return of the Jedi flashbacks. Yeah. And I think that was intentional. Yeah. Like, as far as... Um, AT-ATs? Well, I, no, yeah. those weren't in Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah, it's no, right. They, no, it's as Empire Strikes Back. Right. Yeah. They did, they had AT-ATs had, in, near, earlier in the movie. The eight, yeah, and they had AT-STs. In, Is that in, what they're called? I don't even know the what Scott they're Walkers called. The ones with two legs are AT-STs. They're all Imperial Walkers to me. The ones with four me. legs are AT-ATs. Uh, I, see, if I was younger, I would know this Jack, stuff. you're nothing but a fraud. <laughs> Anyhow, the point is, this movie's got both Scout Walkers and Imperial Walkers. High five. Woo! Yay, nerd power <laughs> achieved. Um, you don't get to cheer with us. Oh. Anyway. Right. I will say that one thing, talking about character stuff, so one thing that sometimes helps is if you have a pretty good actor. One thing I will say that I did like a little bit more about this movie than Force Awakens was its female lead. I was surprised by how much I liked Felicity Jones. I was a little bit worried going in because maybe it's in large part just because of the roles I've seen her play before, like in like Theory of Everything or some other movies like that, where she seems a little bit more like not a very big presence. But here I thought that she did sell a lot of this character's uh, past and what she's been dealing with. And that... I don't know, you're, you're kind of shrugging your shoulders, I guess. Oh, no. She at least got me through some of it. Eventually, there, there are points where she's is cliche, but I liked her more than what they did with Rey in Force Awakens, where that was just straight down the line, like kind of, as we've talked about, Mary Sue. I mean, but the thing with Jin in this movie is that she goes through her entire character arc by the end of the first act. That was also my problem. I do like Felicity hmm. Jones when she started. When uh, when she starts off, she's kind of like Han Solo. She's like a criminal. Yeah. And she's feisty and doesn't trust anybody. But then all of a sudden, they say you're gonna go with honest with the mission, and she's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna help the rebellion now. After I was being. Well, she has some conflict but, though with that. Like she's not like yeah, totally with it. But it's it, it's very. It's really because of her father. It, it's pushed back so far that you don't really get as much 
richness from it as possible. Mm. Another thing is it that peaks she, very early. Yeah, she doesn't do Mads Mikkelsen's accent, and that's a damn disappointment. <laughs> yeah, Maybe she takes after her mother. Yeah, <laughs> I mean there was um the the one scene that disappointed me with her is that I do generally like her throughout the movie is that when the Mon Mothma and the top uh, rebel people were making a decision and she has like a little she's the lady general in the Rebel Alliance. What I know, <laughs> I know that they they made it very clear that she was that they they got practically the same. Oh, we're gonna have to get to yeah. the like certain actors in this movie, quote-unquote, yeah. in a little bit. But anyhow, so that, that was the one scene that's pointed to me when the rebel generals are saying, no, we're not going to do this plan, and she Whoa, has a little pep talk too, about... let's not get too... Okay, but, just, but then she's like, but then she, uh, Jin has a little pep talk about power of hope, and that's the part that it kind of lost me. It yeah. didn't feel like that... that oh, no, 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 you know what? That... I would agree with that. That was a cheesy thing. She needed more forcefulness in that instead of, like, the old cheer squad girl person. Well, well, it's not so much the cheer girl squad thing. The emotion of it was fine, but the writing of it was lame. It's like, you know, a rebellion is built on hope. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Q trailer. And it comes, it, it comes from a character who, early on in the film, you would not expect to say, say that. Yeah. And then... Later, and she still doesn't have that depth no. to make that turnaround. Well, the thing was for me, it was like trying to be a writer callback because uh, Diego Luna says that earlier in the movie, right? And even when he said that, I was like, "Oh God, they're setting this up for her." To say it. What was interesting well, though, we saw it in the trailer. Well, well, <laughs> funny though, I actually that's, noticed that's some cheating. I noticed some things that because I've heard rumors that there was reshoots on this movie. And I couldn't really tell too many things that might have fell out of place, but I did notice there were some ma lines from the trailer that didn't that weren't in the movie. Right. Um, like there were little things too from like far as Whitaker, which uh, let's talk about him. I, I wish I could have seen more of his character. He he intrigued me a lot. You like you have a character who is a terrorist in like the Rebel Alliance, and it's like they they want to take him out. But I don't think. That really is a compelling thing in this world. Really, I don't like. There's a. I don't like a lot of aspects of this story. Probably things that will go against what you thought was good, Matt. I. I don't like the fact that the Rebel Alliance is apparently super shady. The guy, what's his name? Uh, her, her Jin's partner, the guy who's bringing Cassian her, Andor. Yeah, that guy. He uh, he's yeah he's given his own orders. He's meeting. He does some pretty questionable things, yeah. and he's talking about how a lot of people in the Rebel Alliance have done some pretty questionable things. I mean, I will, and then I, I don't the know. Rebel Alliance doesn't seem to be able to get their act together mm. in a meaningful way, which goes against everything that's been in the previous films. Now, okay, this is a different film, uh, but and it's got a different tone. It's got a different. Uh, story to tell. I don't think that that story though is the kind of story that it. This story does not fit with the rest of the Star Wars films. Hmm. Well, it, well, it. Uh, hmm. Well, I thought it didn't fit so much as totally, and I know that I disagree with Matt on that a little bit. Um, and I know what they were trying to do. The thing that I found both interesting but also made a little inconsistency in a way, is that... So in this story, you're seeing that, okay, I the Rebellion is not completely together. Like, they actually... They're not agreeing on everything. Like, there's one key moment where uh, Lynn brings this information about what is going on with this Death Star, and nobody's like, what? Death Star? This is no such thing. Like, but you also have people like, no, no, I try... Like, that was kind of interesting, as far as the showing that, oh yeah, no, the Rebel Alliance, they're not completely on the same page. But the problem is, though, by the time you get to A New Hope, which again is, like, a freaking week later, they're all, they're all on the same page. If this yeah, was maybe, like, a, if this was, like, a year before, then I would totally buy it. Here, I wasn't buying it completely that you have this Rebel faction that is you know, kind of split apart in some ways. And they're doing, yeah, as you, as you said, they're doing some shady things. I guess that they were maybe trying to make this a little bit more of like a political movie in some ways. Like There I, are a lot of images in this film which will seem very contemporary. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that that's so that kind of bothered me a little bit, but not not too much to take me out. But again, it, a lot of the movie it rolled along. I was kind of I was with it. I never got fully invested in it, with the exception of a few scenes that I was like, okay, it's kind of cool. Because there was one moment that it, it is like. Isn't a spoiler to say it because he does show up in the in the trailer. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we should just come to spoilerorama. I don't know. Are we? Up, uh, well, but I feel like there are still some things to say about the movie. I mean, I will say as an action movie in the climax, I, I thought it was a I was I thought it was decently done. Okay. Now, the thing I would say too though is that in term this is just a technical thing for me. I it did take me out of it a little bit that stylistically this is the first one that brings a lot of shaky cam okay and for me that took me out of it a little bit uh tonally speaking i know that they're trying to make it more exciting in a modern way and and that that, that that's fine it's just that that part of it's like okay we're we're this is a movie that's you know that being shot now it's not really I don't know how to explain it properly. It, like, it doesn't look like a movie that would have been shot during, like, the 70s. The way that, yeah, it looks more like... It's not they were, shot like a Star Wars. They were look, They were going for, like, a Black Hawk Down look. Hmm. I, that's, uh, a, that's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah, there. it's... Uh, it which, again, is not an inherently bad thing. It's almost a challenge. I'm kind, I actually think that maybe the studio at Lucasfilm... Hopefully, what they're planning, because uh, I think that after this one, the next standalone movie is the Han Solo solo <laughs> <laughs> movie, and that I'm expecting to be that will be a very that'll be a light movie, because Miller, uh, hopefully Miller and Lord. Yeah, you have the guys who did the Lego movie and the Jump Street movies, and that I'm hoping will maybe. Um, that that will be a nice way to kind of balance out what we just had in this movie, which, yeah, in some ways a little dark, not too dark, but I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think of other things. Um, I the fan servicey thing does. The more I think about it, there are just things that they really do hammer in that I actually shoehorned in, shoehorned in, and just also things in the climax where I actually turned to Corey and I was like, really. They did that. <laughs> um, I don't know. Any things that we should say before we get into spoilers? Uh, the writing is all over the place. Mm. We got to jump from planet to planet and then provide captions so that we know which planet we're on. That's uh, a first. Yeah. Too. We never used to do that with the Star Wars movies. Uh, and ultimately, it's not necessary because characters have been talking about, well, we're going to go here. <laughs> Uh, and then two seconds later, you have shot of planet, name of planet, what it does, <laughs> not important. <laughs> and yeah. the, f and they especially cram that first act with all sorts of scenes, which aren't necessary aren't necessary really mm. in the grand scheme of things. It's uh, a lot of stuff is crammed in here, into this script, yeah. into this plot. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it is kind of a mess. Uh, it hangs together. Yeah. However, it does. It's nothing fantastic. I'd be curious what this movie looked like before they did these reshoots. Now, I've read from the director that this really wasn't as big a deal as being made out to be. That like it was really more about getting more footage for their action scenes. But I but I've read also that they actually brought in another director to do, like, some of this. This guy, Tony Gilroy. The movie's actually directed, credited for Gareth Edwards, who did uh, <clears throat> Godzilla and, and Monsters. Um, interestingly, not too many monsters in this movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> the real monster was man. Or, oh! Or whatever is essentially man in the Star Wars universe where everyone is an alien and probably not even the same species as us. Yeah. But, Thanks, uh, man. But, yeah, no, I... I think tonally, to me, the writing held together a little bit better than May for you. It's just that emotionally, I just didn't engage with it. And for no, a Star Wars, for a Star Wars movie, even again, I, I know earlier I mentioned it, and I don't know if anybody gave me dagger eyes, but I might like Revenge of the Sith a little bit more than this, as okay. far as prequels go. 
Fine with me. <laughs> okay. I was just mentioning it. Yeah. Did, uh, please don't kill me, Internet. <laughs> yeah, I think part of the double-edged sword with this movie is that it seems like there's a little bit more going on than previous black and white Star Wars mentality movies because there's a little bit of grayness at the edges and there's there's a sense that there's history that we're not aware of that maybe is impacting them. But then the problem with that is that it's really just window dressing. We don't go into depth with those sort of things like Jeddah, the Jedi planet. Right. There's, that would be yeah. interesting to know more about, but just kind of a there. Jedi planet? Yeah. It's, it's like, there was something... The planet Jeddah is clearly connected to the Jedi somehow. Yeah. yeah. Gareth Edwards said in interviews that it's the mecca of the Jedi Order. Oh, was Could've, that why... Oh, no, no, no. That's a different me. Yeah, yeah the, the mecca. Huh. Yeah. So, oh, oh, Mecca, like... This oh, I, is my for, Mecca. For a second, I was thinking of Mecca, like, Mecca Godzilla. And I was like, what the hell is he... Do they, do they build Jedi in a factory? And... Well, there are those Star Wars Transformer crossover toys. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. So, um, just generally speaking, if you were to ask me if what I would rate this as far as could you go see it, I would say yes... But it's not something to really rush out to see, don't, honestly. Uh, don't bother to see it in the theaters. Really? You're going wait that until, far? Wait until it's on TV. I would give it a matinee. No. Really? Huh. Not me. Oh, okay. Hmm. Matt? I don't know. Like, I'm still kind of, like, riding the buzz off that movie because, like I said, I wasn't really excited about going to see it. I was just going to see it because it's a Star Wars movie and you guys invited me. I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you jerks. Thanks. Hey, oh. I, I, just, I just wanted to be a guest star on a podcast that was not a comic book adaptation for once. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but, I feel like Star Wars is kind of a comic book movie. No, no. it is not. But really? It, no. So, I think that the, this no, gets... No, no. All right. It, has, it, it has a comic book tie-in, but it's not a movie based from a comic book. Uh, not officially, yeah. but... That, anyhow, whatever. so I, I'm still kind of not thinking critically about it because I saw it and I said, hey, this is a lot better than I expected it would be. So I, and I can see it's obviously not my favorite Star Wars film, but I'm also usually like the negative Nancy when it comes to reviewing stuff like this. So huh. I kind of want to be the um, devil's advocate and say, it's not that bad. Yes, from the man who went in with barrel bottom uh, expectations, uh, go right. see it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's so, get into spoiler territory. Yeah, so I'm just actually going to pause this just for a second, and then uh, we will get into spoilers. So stay tuned. Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back, and Burger King comes through again with our all-new Empire Strikes Back glasses. Collect a different class for your family each week. Darth Vader, R2-D2 and C-3PO, Lando Calrissian, Luke Skywalker. Buy a regular-sized Coca-Cola at a special price and build your collection. All-new, the Empire Strikes Back glasses, only at Burger King. For in one minute. My wife does bounce occasionally. Okay, um, so... We're now in the spoiler territory. We're playing bongos and drinking cocktails and snapping our fingers like beakniks. And then we always That's do this thing. because Corey can't do it. <laughs> I don't need to snap. I have other joys in my life. Good. <laughs> I don't need to snap. I'll live it. So, if you're listening now, you're part of the cool group. Okay. Well, let me just say, this whole Rebel Alliance thing where it's like, we don't even know if the Death Star is real, or we don't. We need like a vote of everybody. Well, we can't when did that the Rebel Alliance pull this UN garbage? This is nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought like the oh, rebels we're the were... rebels. We decide not to believe credible and tell again, about the Empire again. As I said, like they suddenly seemed all together once they actually saw the Death Star, but before they're like. Nah, no, there's no way that we can... No, but you know, they didn't even see the Death Star before they all started to be like, also, let's get on this battle here. Here's, here's a thought. Why, like, is the Empire that, like, secretive? That Like, I know that they mentioned in episode four that they're going to reveal themselves to show what their battle station can do, but you'd think that somebody would have seen this moon being built at some point. I don't think the secrecy of the entire idea is necessary. We're talking about an entire galaxy. Presumably you can hide a moon-sized space station within a galaxy. But that's not the point. 
first... But why the, are they making it like as if it's some rumor? You're the Empire. You can tell people that you're, you're building a giant Death Star, and they'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I guess because they didn't want someone coming by and stealing the secret plans because... like this. Because... <laughs> If there are that that's a good thing. All right, also, I know I'm getting into my new shit. Here. But but also it's this idea of it's it's part of the writing conceit. Mm. It's like part of the reason why these rebels in this movie, Rogue One, don't want to do anything about this Death Star is because some of them just sort of deny the idea that it even exists. Which again, politically Which is not is not that I'm not totally I'm not dismissive of that idea. It's just that the way that the structure is of this being right before a new hope if you this had been just a year or two before i would buy it more that you would have more of a fractious rebellion but i don't buy it in the sense of it being right before like so it's an interesting concept but executed in a flawed way yeah i agree and mainly because it clashes so much with how we how the star wars universe works yeah, I mean, this, it's good guys versus bad guys. It's not this world of give sanctions more time or <laughs> we're going to yeah. check our intel on this. Right. No, it's it it is this sort of good versus evil thing, you know, something a little li- a lot lighter than the world of ro- that Rogue One depicts. I think your comment is interesting because for me, I felt like the biggest flaw of this movie was it felt so trapped by a very narrow conception of what a Star Wars movie should be. And for me, I'll be honest, I'm so sick of the Death Star. I am just so done with the yeah. Death Star. As <laughs> we, just had, we just had Star Killer Base a year ago. But I did think, as much as I'm done with the concept of the Death Star, the idea of the Death Star being sabotaged by its creator is kind of interesting. Yeah. But, yes. again, I feel like this movie was so boxed into this concept of, okay, a Star Wars movie does this in Act 1, and this in Act 2, and this in Act 3, yeah. that I felt like its interesting material was all at the periphery. Like, I saw these flashes of interesting things, but... I think the filmmakers were very limited um, and they felt very confined by the immense expectations that surround a Star Wars film. And I wish this movie had been more creative and more original in its structure and in its plotting. And I agree. The most interesting material in this is on the periphery. The entire world of Jeddah and what it's all about, that it is potentially rich, but it isn't much of a factor. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea of Death Star's creator creating the sabotage and actually yeah. maybe his process of trying to figure that out. See, that's why I that, thought that... That is fascinating as well. You have a... You have a that's a great point. Yeah. I don't think, though, that this film is necessarily trying to copy the structure of Star of what a Star Wars film is because it feels so different in tone. Hmm. What was the big spoilery thing that you wanted to talk about? Because that didn't seem that spoiler to me. I didn't have anything really spoiler at all. <laughs> right, I thought here. you did. Well, no, I just didn't know if my ranting about how I'm just so done with the Death Star as a concept. Well, we kind of talked about the Death Star already. It's not, it's not a spoiler to talk about the Death Star. It is... I'm tired of it, too. I mean, we now have four movies with a Death Star or... Something like a Death Star. A Death Star analog. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, I'm kind of confused, too, because didn't in the prequels, they say they already had, like, the plans for the Death Star made up, so where do they need... Like, they had the the little... I think Darth Count Dooku had, like, a red hologram of it, and he was talking to the Genosian people, so where exactly does um, Galen Erso come into this, like... What, what does he come huh. bring to the plan? He, uh, huh, he, interesting. He to, well, well, he, he had, had to, to. Well, he had to execute had to the, the plan. It's <laughs> the like, thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You you need somebody to actually build these things. He had to be there to sabotage it. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Well, you need somebody, I guess, who can actually m- more specifically implement certain plan parts of it. Um, yeah, but no, I'm I'm done with it as far as just like 
okay, we get it. It's a giant moon that can kill things. It's a symbol for American imperialism. Or uh, no, well, imperialism in general. Sorry, I, think, I, 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 I love America. That, I think that's just you, <laughs> uh, That was actually what Lucas intended, though. I'm not trying to make... All right, for, forget Don't you hide behind George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gave good cover. Um, all right, so is that about it? Yeah, um, if I was running the show, this wouldn't have even been an action movie, which is why someone like me would never be allowed to make creative Yeah, well, that's like, well, that's why I agree with Corey when she was talking about imagine a movie with Ben Mendelsohn's character, because, again, it wouldn't be like a usual Star Wars movie, but what about the journey of this guy who's working for the Empire, but he has, like, these rebel tendencies, and then comes to the decision, okay, I can't keep up with this anymore i've put my faith in the empire but they're just way too evil and now i have to move my side that's where you get into the gray area and move a little bit i think they need to broaden the definition of what types of stories are acceptable to tell in this universe well it's also tricky because when you're spending the kind of money that they are yeah they well, end the up kind is, of leaning towards being you don't have safe. to make it all action but i think there is this that Star Wars definitely has to work within this realm of fantasy. And that means something in a much lighter tone. Mm. Well, again, it's supposed to still be for kids, sort of. Although I think the kids in our theater were a little bored by it. I don't know. I, I, I was starting to, I was noticing a little too much people talking in our theater. I know that's not spoilers at all. That's just something annoying. Spoilers. All right. Gentlemen, I will leave you to the rest of your comments. Yeah. Get out of here. You have cooties. <laughs> you guys can reform your He-Man Woman Haters Club. <laughs> yeah. Boys only. Yeah. Okay, something I want to talk about. Okay. Because we're in spoilers. Peter Cushing. Yes. Is in this movie. Unnecessarily. What I the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. I actually thought they did a good job. He, Compared he, to other Uncanny Valley things that they've done in movies, he, this was probably one of the best, if not like one of the best types of showing a human actor in scenes, at, interacting with other people. His CGI recreation had presence. Yes. And the guy and who they did got the voice was great. Not a dead on Peter Cushing, but pretty good. Damn close. I miss uh, Wayne Pygram from Farscape, who was the last uh, Peter Cushing replacement in Revenge of the Sith, who didn't oh, get any dialogue. No. He had... Yeah, wait, oh, he that was him? That was him at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Oh, yeah, yeah. He turns I around, remember he's in that. Yeah, he's in that, but he's not in this one. And I think, oh, they could have used him again, because they do look a lot alike. Well, who knows? Maybe they did use him, and they just... No, I read the credits. His name's not in it. Oh, okay. We stayed for the credits, Jeff. No, I had to refill my popcorn. But <laughs> the thing that... Well, I kind of applaud whoever put that together in terms of visual effects. It also kind of terrifies me <laughs> because it kind of portends what Disney and Lucasfilm can do as far as bringing back characters and making them convincing. Now, I will say they're, they show Princess Leia at the very end of this movie, right. like literally just before the credits start. That didn't look as good. They held on it for too long. Yeah, and like she uh, and that CGI rendering did not hold up. Not as well. If you looked at it for a long time. Yeah, but the stuff with Peter Cushing was great. Now the other weird thing, this is where we get into the fan service stuff. What kind of took me out of the movie a little bit was in the climax. They're showing all the rebel ships coming to fight the Imperial Star Destroyers right above uh, the planet, and they cu they cut to some of the close ups as they do of the of the pilots. Right. Either they took shots literally from A New Hope, or they really spookily recreated some of the actors that you see in A New Hope. Some of those the Rebels. pilots. Yeah, they, they I, were I some of the same people. Too. I would wager that they found footage that they took. They went into the archive and went and got the footage that they did, and they retreated yeah. it in CGI to make it yeah. look a little different. Because yeah, those are the same actors. Yeah, same so, voices and everything. They probably just plundered the archive and then re-rendered it in CG. Which I guess the idea is, okay, we're, we're making it just like that so it has continuity. But it's almost so close that it kind of was a little bit jarring because it's like my brain 
it's like you don't notice it, but your brain did right. <laughs> that type of thing. Yeah. Where it's like a lot of people won't notice it, but your brain notices that this was shot in 2016 and this was shot in 1976. Yeah. Okay. Another really obviously bad fan surfacey part is let me preface this by saying one of the big complaints about the Star Wars universe is that it's a whole giant galaxy, but they only ever focus on people who are directly linked to the star, the uh, Skywalkers. They're always the stars and somehow. Uh -huh. So, um, and they don't do anybody else. Now this time I seen they had a scene set on Jeddah, the Jedi Mecha planet, and then Jin Erso meets Doctor Evazon and Ponda Baba, and then shortly thereafter yeah, the city guys. is exploded. So not only do you have wait, uh, who are those characters? The a, guys in the canteen. Yeah, no, no, yeah, I know, I know their names. Yeah, yeah. What, what the fuck was that? It's like he doesn't like you scene yeah because i mean obviously <laughs> it's obviously possible that they could travel to other planets besides tatooine but then but it's then really, they have to get off it yeah exactly they have to get off it too i didn't even and think they, about that yeah it's just really <laughs> awkward you're done he used to have the death sentence on 13 systems but then they blew up one of them <laughs> <laughs> that's line of the night actually no line of the night goes to darth vader yeah. yeah I, I see i kind of liked his scene his scene was one of my favorite scenes in the movie darth vader lives on mount doom <laughs> yeah what the wait what the hell wait, was, what was that there <laughs> i was like lord of the rings yeah what? that was the only planet that didn't get like a little identification card too yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or not that we needed it. No, but I mean, they it have like planet. no, but they have the same type of tower that you see in like, and then you have the lava. And those for a second, I was like, wait a minute, are we on like uh, the the planet from the end of Revenge of the Sith? No. Oh wait, are we? Maybe. <sighs> so did Mustafar? he? Yeah. Did he make his base on Mustafar? Is he pretty that? bad choice? <laughs> he wants to be constantly reminding and look out his window. That's like and it... think back to I hate you. That's like. <laughs> That's like if Abraham Lincoln survived his assassination and then moved his operations into Ford's theater. <laughs> He's like, I'll show them. Yeah. Um, but no, he 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 has like a confrontation with uh, with Ben Mendelsohn, and you know he he does the thing where he doesn't choke him out to to death, but he does choke him a little bit, and he said he has a pun. He says, "I'm cho you're choking on your aspirations." That was garbage. I kind of <laughs> liked it. I I, I, okay. I I know it was garbage, but I, I kind of loved it. I know why that scene was in there. It was there for fan service, mm -hmm. and it was there so we could see Darth Vader. That was, but you know what? But here's the I'm thing fine that with makes that it terrible. Service. I really? don't mind unnecessary scenes if you can make them cool. Mm -hmm. This was Darth Vader written at his stupidest. This was ter That was a terribly written scene. I... Mm. Hate that scene. <laughs> I, it was it's there a guilty just, pleasure. It was scene. there just so Darth Vader could make that pun. And Darth Vader doesn't make puns. No, Darth Vader <laughs> does not truck in puns. <laughs> oh, Corey's back. Yeah, it's like you threw I agree that in with there. You, Jack, I like the pun. <laughs> you know what it is like. These with guys the are filling. With guys. the exception of K two S O. Like, the movie's giving me nothing as far as something to kind of chuckle at. Wait, I had a minute. chuckle at You're that. You're going to say that Darth Vader was worth it because of his comic relief? <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of movie we have, Andrew. <laughs> Jack, I don't know what you've been smoking. <laughs> it's Death Sticks. He's been smoking Death Sticks. <laughs> I need to go home and rethink my life. Oh, wait, I am home. Get out of town. <laughs> uh, look, I, 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 no, it is. I here's the thing. I recognize that it is fan service. I enjoyed it in spite of itself. Okay. All right. So let's move on. Another weird. All right. One more thing about Darth Vader. Uh, he also shows up at the very end. We should super say. cheap Darth Vader costume. I, I didn't really noticed that. I noticed. It was not a very good costume. So it wasn't the same costume as New Hope? Def not the same costume as anything. I think <laughs> what they get part there is city. a little <laughs> This is probably gonna be me at my nerdiest, but there they do add those sort of 
red lenses mm-hmm. yeah, when he first enters the scene. But there's something like about the neck and his chest piece. They don't meet. And you don't see the chain where his cape is, is all tied up. If you look at it closely, if you like had pictures of them side by side, you'd see that it looks like someone made a really good Darth Vader suit, but it was also just like not professionally made. Yeah, you'd think that with all the money they spent on the movie and like the CGIing of people that are not alive anymore, that they could have done something to make it look exactly. Yeah, like- and it stands out because there's so much work done on Peter Cushing and and on Prin- Princess Leia and on everything else. I mean, and there are some you know even robots in here that are just you know they are obviously people in suits. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's re- really weird, especially so maybe, since Darth so, Vader featured so prominently in the trailers. Yeah. Mm. Well, not prominently, it's like, but they showed it. Yeah. Where I felt like, the, I, I kind of wish that the very last five minutes of the movie, like, they show you literally everything up until the minute before episode four begins. Yeah. Can and you just does, give me like a little bit of mystery? Give me to give, that. Give me a cushion. Give me a bumper. Yeah, because like, this doesn't gel completely. No, like the way that uh, also just that last five minutes, I felt like actually was the weakest part of the movie for me, or and one that's of the a weakest. Weird thing. Like, what was Princess Leia doing there? Yeah, I mean, she. Why was she like? What did she have to do there? Like, except be in that ship for the net for the opening of episode. Also, it was very dangerous too. Like, why couldn't there have been like, oh, we we got the we got the plans of the Death Star. Let's beam it to another ship that's not in the middle of this gigantic fucking battle. Like, why is she there in this battle? She's a princess. She could get killed. Yeah, I didn't think that she would have been there based on the start of the original Star Wars either. I thought that they were on, like, a separate, secret, ostensibly diplomatic mission, and then the yeah. Empire found out and tracked them down, and then broke all sorts of, like, international, intergalactic laws to, like, hijack See, they them. created another plot hole while they thought that they were going to fix a plot hole in this movie. Well. <laughs> okay. And, and yes, tonally, also, it's just, like, we have to have this moment where... My problem was more like, okay, we have the plans. Oh no, Darth Vader's here. We have to pass him to one guy, and then another guy, and then another guy. It's like, stop. Yeah. Darth Vader is just not as fast as a relay race handoff. <laughs> Even with like well, force reach powers. Well, if you, you ever, well, have you ever seen? This is just a side thing. Have you ever seen the Red Letter Media video about Darth Vader's suit? Yes. His, his yes. suit is kind of terrible as far as like what it does yeah. to him and what it can do. But it's got hilariously woo- terrible. But it's got voodoo hide polish and that's all that matters. <laughs> I always I I that's right. <laughs> okay, so getting back to costuming that we were on before, one thing that also rankled my nerd sensors is that this is a prequel set immediately before A New Hope, yes. and they have a whole bunch of different stormtrooper uniforms that we never see. <laughs> The original trilogy. <laughs> and, and this yeah. is the same problem as the regular prequels. Yes. Okay. Uh, where it, you know you have things like battle droids and Jedi doing awesome moves and all these fighters and technology that you don't see. But but the in thing but the thing the is I films. and I can't believe I'm going to say this but the prequels at least that was a little more believable because that was supposed to be a time where those types of moves came from like an earlier era. Now it's supposed to be in the world of the original trilogy. Well, it's like things are a little bit more run down. They're not quite as technologically I'm, whatever as they were in the prequel times. I'm thinking just basically in terms of like world building, these new costumes don't make any sense that aside is true. for selling more toys. And I usually like buying more toys. Yeah. But this is just dumb because like they have a lot of stormtroopers, but then they have oh a special stormtrooper armor for the guy that drives a tank, and oh they have special stripy stormtrooper armor for the guys that fight on a beach, and oh yeah. here's black stormtroopers that are just as worthless as regular white stormtroopers. Yeah, basically. Yeah, no, the, the way that now right, you point again, that out. It's, yeah. It goes back to what Corey said. Everything interesting is on the periphery. And everything basically that looks new in this film is just like the old stuff. Well, I, also... We have different TIE fighters. <clears throat> they dot, They blow up just as easily as other TIE fighters. Yeah. We have this fancy shield generator around the planet. It blows up just like any other shield <laughs> yeah. generator. There's nothing new. Well, it's also... All the original stuff. Is just pushed to the side, mm-hmm. or it's marginalized, like these new stormtroopers and fighters. Yeah, and also the core thing, which I know it's supposed to, you know you have to take it 
for what it is. It's supposed to be a prequel, but I, I kind of thought back a little bit to Prometheus where like we, oh, so we have to see how the space jockey got into that exact formation. Yeah. <laughs> like, th cause that was one of those moments in Prometheus where like, aside from everything else in that movie, I was just like, really? We have, we're, we're doing this guys. Yeah. There were a number of those moments in this movie. Yeah. But I think this movie is still a hell of a lot better than Prometheus. Uh, I will agree. It is better than <laughs> yeah, Prometheus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we can all agree. Uh, so, by the end of this podcast, don't go see Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just thinking of that as far as other prequels that are so... They have to be reliant on it. Like, I read some review that said that, you know, it. this movie shouldn't have to be responsible for what's to come next like, what do you mean well as far as having to set up all of these things that will be in episode four because again it's in the immediate lead up to it because you have a filmmaker who is trying to craft his own approach to it and you know again he has these things on the periphery and but because just by the nature of what the story is it's beholden to the the movies that will come immediately after he can't completely fulfill like these ideas that he has he, he has to almost again th this responsibility to try to build up this film and then it becomes muddled because as you said the writing is not all together and it just yeah muddies up things basically if you cut out tarkin and leia and darth vader and just focused solely on the rogue run crew and made them a little richer characters you'd have a better movie hmm. yes that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, you if, could you could take a lot out of this movie, and you could just rearrange some things. Well, okay, it's not well, that not easy. well rearrange but things, saying, rearrange the timeline. Yeah, you know, like another weird thing: we have a brief scene on a city that's between two asteroids, and we're only there like in an alleyway, and they never <laughs> use that location again. I thought, oh, they're oh gonna yeah, do... yeah, oh, the, near the beginning of the movie. Yeah, I thought, okay. oh, they're gonna do like a neat chase scene where they go between the gravity of one asteroid and the other. No, nothing. I want to see that movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Corey, we're yeah. doing your idea with my idea. All right. I'm just saying. Yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, thumbs up. You don't have to come over here. Um, stay where you are. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> For those who didn't hear it, she just said, "Know your place, woman." It's on the couch. <laughs> oh, oh! I don't want to make I don't want to make her feel bad. But that's where she reclines. <laughs> <laughs> it's comfy there. She knows her own house. That's true. Um, so anyway, I guess just to, I mean, I, I've said I think most of what I want to say about this movie. I, again, there are some, you know, there. There are some there are some really decent things about it. Would I immediately watch it again? No, like I don't have that drive to. Because I saw Force Awakens twice in the theater. Like so I, as soon I. as I saw it, I was like, "Yeah, that was a fun time. I'm gonna go see that again." Like this, I it just didn't give me enough to make me. And again, part of it's also knowing we're not gonna see these characters again. Um, this is it, and I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, they'll have more tie-in books that will fill in gaps with uh, Jin Orso and Galen Orso and the other Orsos. I don't care. Yeah, I I don't care either. <laughs> I mean, all right, this it's I'm I'm it's fine the way it is, but I'm not that high on it. I give it a very mild recommendation, and I do again. I if you really love Star Wars, I mean you're gonna see it anyway. Um, but to the people who aren't that converted if you, if you really like star wars you're gonna see this anyway jack is going to give you a tiny amount of validation for your choice well it's a star wars movie it's different it'd be one thing if we were talking about like something star more wars, specialized this is the kind of movie you're gonna like if you're into like decently like again there is a lot of good craft here uh I, again and, and a lot of money went into it a lot of talent um, and especially, I want to just mention Alan Tudyk. He he does a good voice job. He does, yes. You know, uh, he has some really good lines too. He probably has some of the best lines in the movie. Some of them. Some of them. 
well. Oh, I don't know how you're going to top that genu- Darth Vader pun. Genuinely <laughs> funny lines. I, I mentioned that it's a guilty pleasure, that Darth Vader scene. Total guilty pleasure. I can't defend it. I just enjoy no, it. No, you myself. cannot. <laughs> going to break up the whole podcast. <laughs> um, but I was about to say, if you're not one of the converted to Star Wars, if you're kind of just like, well, maybe I'll go see it, maybe not, uh, don't don't rush out to see it. If you're really itching to see something that has a lot of action, you get some good action, but also shot a little too shakily for my taste. But it's, it's all right. All right. Matt? So, yeah, when I watched um, the original Star Wars, I never wanted to know how they got the Death Star plans. Just having them smuggle Death Star plans is good enough for me. But uh, So this movie is completely disposable. You don't need to watch it. But at the same time, it's not a bad movie. It's diverting enough, and I at least found it nice that it had a different tone just so that it was a different drink of water than the typical Star Wars movie. So... I don't think you're going to regret seeing it necessarily, but you could also give it a pass if you don't care about how this thing happened <laughs> off screen. Matt's review, go see it or not. <laughs> okay. And you'd say the same thing, Andrew? Uh, I'd say... You said you wait for it to rent. Well, there are no more rentals, Jack. You can go to Redbox or the uh, library. Here's what I would say. I wouldn't see it in the theater. I think this film doesn't really match a lot of what we've come to expect about Star Wars. And I don't think the writing, the characters, or the plot... Well, plot's sort of there, but not well enough for me. Yeah. So, this is a film, again, you can just skip, and it'll be fine. Hmm. This, this movie also has one last thing to say. This actually has like a CinemaSins moment. Yeah. Where, well, they're on the ship about to leave. Uh, it's Yavin 4, right? Yeah. World based on. And uh, there's the a ca- caption for it. Yeah, no, I know that. <laughs> I knew, It looks exact. It, it's the same fucking base as Yavin 4. Sorry to curse, but I'm just. You a know tired. what I love about Yavin 4? <laughs> that same nothing. guy standing in the tower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, when the ship that they're leave that they're taking, which is called Rogue One, and you find out because he's like, what ship is this? Uh, Rogue. One and I thought to myself, you credits, right. um, but yeah, he's just kind of standing there in the tower and he just kind of looks at the ship leaving. Yeah. Wouldn't he freak out a little bit? Like, hey, what the hell is that guy's job anyway? <laughs> he he's just there in the tower. He well, he does what you see at an airport. He holds up. No, the he does. No, no, he's he just... like he like holds up his thing that's not a blaster. Like follows. Maybe a ship he's around, scanning and then it. He stops. Yeah, but, but that was weird though. Where like yeah, the, the, for what? Yeah, the, the, I guess it's. ID it was it was actually like a nice touch because it's a shot from episode four. Yes, but then they bring him back again. And it's yeah, like, and he's, well, just kind of he's like, still in the tower. <laughs> well, no, no, they should have done more with him though. He's just kind of sitting there, like, well, there goes a shot. But the thing is, is, like, we have no idea what his job is, and there's no, <laughs> there's no way we could explain what his job is. I want to make can we? I want to make a movie. I want to make a movie important. about that guy. Ah, there we go. Your idea and my idea and Corey's idea. We're rolling them all together. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna work on that script. Maybe tomorrow. Soon. Yeah, good. <laughs> but Matt, you're about to say. I was gonna say if that guy was totally asleep on his job because if he had been paying attention and not let them leave, then the Death Star plans would have never been stolen in the first place. So he's a true hero of the rebellion. Okay, fair I agree. Enough. All right, and so if you've seen Rogue One or not, and you have any thoughts about what we just talked about, uh, you can visit us on Facebook at the Wage of Cinema Podcast. We're also on Twitter at Wages of Cinema. Um, check us out on Instagram, Tumblr. We're on those things. Um, send us an email to wagesofcinema at gmail.com. And uh, again, if you disagreed with us or agree with us or kind of want to nitpick uh, how Peter Cushing's Uncanny Valley performance went, uh, let us know. Um, also, Matt, tell them where people can find you. You can find Death Star Matt at mattthecatania.wordpress.com, <laughs> and that has also a Twitter and a Pinterest and a Facebook and all that other good social media stuff no one cares about. I know you're on Pinterest. Apparently I am. Okay, good. <laughs> is a Actually, we're, it's funny because we're on Pinterest too, but I just never think people. Nice. Know us. 
Awesome. Yeah, we're on Pinterest too. So with everything said, I'm Jack. And I'm Andrew. And I'm Death Star Matt. And uh, remember, the wages of cinema is dun 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 dun